Wonderful day that God has given us, another day He's given us to be here together to worship Him, especially on this Lord's Day that we could be here and think about things from His Scripture. I will say before I get started that I have, uh, have a lingering cough from about a week and a half ago, and so I've got a bottle of water here. If I start coughing, um, that's what it is, and like what happens with me in class, if I start doing my thing where I basically fall into a puddle of just coughing and going crazy. My kids, and I appreciate it. They're always like, are you okay? You're okay? And I tell them, if I'm standing up and I'm coughing, I'm fine. If, if I fall down, if I pass out, then I would request some help then. But other than that, if I do go into a coughing fit, I'm, I'm fine. This morning I want to talk about, uh, the title of the lesson is The Beauty of Wisdom in the Proverbs. <clears throat> We, we've heard some lessons about this recently, and um, basically this is going to be my take on it. And there's, there's so much that we can get from wisdom from the Proverbs. And I'm going to primarily be studying in the Proverbs. There's going to be a few times whenever I branch outside of that, especially at the end of the lesson. But I want to consider some things that the Bible teaches us about wisdom. The first thing that I want to say real quick is that we need to start learning to value certain things more. You know, whenever you look at popular culture today, and uh, one way to know where popular culture is is to go to YouTube and watch what happens on YouTube. I, I see, like, kids watching uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that, and, and as, as I see those and I witness those, sometimes I feel like I'm losing brain cells watching these videos like they are literally leaving my brain whenever I'm watching this stuff and whenever you watch videos and stuff like that it's like okay that's what's making money because that's what's attracting people because that's that's just what is is capturing their attention and some of it is so mindless so um so inept it should it should not be what we're what we value it should not be what we're looking for we have to learn to value things more. Being funny, being popular, being the richest person, being the most charismatic person does not matter. Now, some of those things, like being the richest person, um, that definitely brings its problems. Being funny, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that at all. But whenever that is our ultimate goal, is to be funny and to do those things, we are placing value on things that are not things that are going to uh, lead to, to lasting things. Being wise in God's word is something absolutely to value, along with other things. But learning to, to get wisdom, as we're going to study from the Proverbs, this is something we need to place a high value on. And we'll talk about that as we go through here. So I want to start here in Proverbs 1. I want to read verses 1 through 7. I want to talk about these a little bit. And I'm just going to talk about some other stuff and, and then get into some, some uh, nuggets of wisdom about wisdom in the Proverbs. So Proverbs 1, verse 1 through 7 and um, I apologize, I, I believe I made this PowerPoint before we made the switch, so this is, I, I apologize, most of it's still in King James. So Proverbs 1, verse 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. 
to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So right here, the thesis statement that Solomon gives here for Proverbs is verse 2, he says, to know wisdom and instruction. That's what this book is about. As he says there in the last part of verse 2, to perceive the words of understanding. To to know what it is and and to be able to to perceive the world in that way. To to view the world in light of what the scriptures tell us. To have that as our as our worldview, as our perception of how the world works is to be is to, to study these things and to know these. He says, to receive the instruction of wisdom, judgment, uh, justice and judgment and equity. He's saying that's that's the purpose of what I'm writing to you here is to do all these things. In verse 4, he says to give subtlety to the simple. The simple here means somebody who, um, who only sees things on the face value. They just go out. They don't think about things. And he says to give subtlety. So subtlety, giving subtlety to the simple is for the person who just always, only sees things on the face value. It's to give them where, where, they can, where they can see deeper, where they can think deeper, where they can think more than just past what's happening right now. And he says to give the young man knowledge and discretion. So that the young man, even the young one, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but even the young can have knowledge and discretion. You don't have to sow your wild oats when you're young and live a life of foolishness. A young man can have knowledge and, ins- and discretion. Verse 5, it says, a wise man will hear. Now, if you think about that, that phrase there, a wise man will hear, that may seem like, well, I mean, that, that seems like that's very basic, very, very uh, understandable. But if you really think about what he's saying here, he says, a wise man will hear. In other words, what he's saying is, this is a person who is already wise. This is a person who has lived a life of studying and thinking about, um, about being serious thinking about things that the scriptures teach. It says that this person who is already wise, it says that he will hear. He still hears. It's not that he gets to a certain point and says, I've got this figured out, and then stops. It says that the wise man will hear, and he will increase learning. So he doesn't get to a point and then stop learning. He continues to get wiser. And he says that, that, that man, that wise man, is a man of understanding, and he shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. That's the purpose of all of this. It's so that we can, we can know what these proverbs mean. We can know how to, how to apply these to our life. And so that we can take these and use them in a way to benefit us. And then in verse 7, and I'll definitely talk about this later, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, on the other hand, despise wisdom and instruction. So, as we study through the, as you study through the Proverbs, there's a a lot to be said about this. I know David Earl has a whole series on the wisdom of Proverbs and a very good study to go through on that, but we're going to hit the highlights today. We need to place an importance, a value on wisdom. Think about it like this for a second. If you take $100, put it into account, and invest that from the time you're 20 years old, okay, and by the time you get to 60, you'll have $350,000 in there. 
I think in the S&P 500, it's averaged like 10 to 11% over the last 60, 70 years. Put $100 a month into the S&P. For, for 40 years, that $100 a month will turn into $350,000 by the time you get to 60. The point is, is the compounding of that interest is what really starts making a difference later. For my math people in here, so whenever, whenever you put in $100 a month, when you look at that on a graph, it's a linear relationship. It just goes in a straight line. But as this interest compounds, if you think about the compounding of that, it just grows not in a linear relationship, it just starts to, to curve up. And it's as it compounds, the, the earlier you start to think about that and to implement it, the more, the more difference it makes later in your life. And it's the exact same way with learning to implement wisdom into your life as a young person. When you start focusing on acquiring wisdom early in your life, and I, I use the example of 20 for putting $100 up because that's about the time you can start doing that. You don't have to be 20, though, to start putting wisdom into your life and to start focusing on putting God's word to work in your life. You can start on that way earlier than 20, and it better be earlier than 20, or there's, there's going to be problems. But when you do, when you focus on, on putting up, like putting up that $100 a month, putting up a, a bit of wisdom here, put up a bit of wisdom there, just keep socking it away. Just keep socking that bit of wisdom from God's word into your heart and into your mind. As you do that younger and just keep putting it away, keep putting it away, keep putting it away, it's going to make and give you incredible returns throughout your life. Okay, as we studied... As we read there in Proverbs 1, he talks about uh, knowledge, wisdom, and um, understanding. So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. If you look this up on, online, this analogy is used over and over and over again. I, so I like it. It's good. It makes the point pretty good. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Okay? A tomato is actually a fruit. If you think about a tomato and, and look at the definition of a fruit... It's actually, a tomato is technically a fruit. It's not a vegetable, it's really a fruit. So that is a piece of knowledge. It's a piece of, just a factual piece of knowledge. Okay, wisdom is knowing not to put tomatoes in a fruit salad. Okay, it's taking that and, okay, it's like mentally acknowledging, okay, tomatoes are fruit, but I'm not going to put that in a fruit salad. It's not going to work very good there. And then also I saw this on one deal as I was looking at this. It said, philosophy, though, is wondering if that makes ketchup a smoothie. <laughs> okay, knowledge is knowing how fast your car can go. Knowledge is knowing what the speed limit is, okay? And when I say knowledge is knowing how fast your car can go, uh, wisdom would be not that you know that from firsthand experience, but that maybe you know that from a manufacturer telling you that your car can go 120, 130. Okay, so those are pieces of knowledge that you have and that you know. Okay, understanding and wisdom is taking those pieces of knowledge and combining them and helping you to inform you to make a better decision. Okay, wisdom is knowing that when it's raining or snowing, it doesn't matter what the speed limit is. It doesn't matter how fast your car can go. None of that matters. Wisdom is telling you, okay, I need to slow down even though technically I could still drive 75 miles an hour here. Whenever I lived in, in Lubbock for a, a little while after I graduated from high school, uh, one, 
one weekday morning, it was early in the morning, it was either a Monday or Tuesday if I remember right, I was headed back to Lubbock and it ha- there was a little bit of ice on the, on the interstate. I started out slow as I was headed back home in Lubbock at the time, driving back uh, to Lubbock and I started off slow. As I headed down to Lubbock, it felt like, eh, it just felt like it was, it was good. So I just sped up a little bit more, a little bit more. By the time I got to Lubbock, I was probably driving 70, 75. And again, this was early on a Monday or Tuesday, uh, so there wasn't much traffic. But as I got close to Lubbock, my, my back tires broke traction. And I mean, I started to fishtail all over the interstate. And, and thank the Lord, I, I didn't wreck or anything, but after I, I did end up in the ditch, I was able to get out of the ditch. And as I got up out of there, I thought, ooh, okay. <laughs> all right, just chill out, man. Let's just slow down here. There is ice. Let's just calm down until we, we get all the way there. And that's what wisdom is, is is also going through experiences like that and telling you, okay, here's all these facts. Here, you know, you can drive 75, you technically could, and your car can go that fast and all that, but maybe, maybe that little voice in you that's like, woo, 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 like, slow, let's slow down here. Listen to that. Listen to that. That's, that's wisdom speaking to you. So knowledge is knowing what to say. Let's say you're in a situation where two people are talking and you're kind of a, a person just watching and, and you're like, ooh, I, I really know two or three verses that really, really could make this discussion like go the way it needs to. So knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is, what does wisdom do with that? Okay. Knowledge is knowing that lying is a sin. So knowledge is, is uh, knowing what lying is in the first place. It's knowing lying is, is saying something that's, that's uh, intentionally wrong or that you're trying to be deceptive about something. So that, that's a piece of knowledge, knowing what lying is. Another piece of knowledge is knowing that lying is a sin. Okay, so that's, that is knowledge that we have. But what does wisdom do with that knowledge? So what is wisdom with that? So here's kind of the definition of what I want to do, uh, how I want to deal with wisdom today. So wisdom, this is my definition. Wisdom is taking multiple points of knowledge from the Bible and letting them influence each other, coupled with experience to make a better decision. So what wisdom is, is knowing a bunch of facts from the Bible. So you have all these facts that are just floating around. And wisdom is not just taking this one fact and making a decision based off of one fact. It's, okay, this fact influences this fact, and this one influences this one. And how do all of those facts coming together and then mixing that with experience, how do all of those facts mixed together help me to make a better decision here? Whether it's making a very small decision or whether it's making some huge decision that may totally change our life. As I was thinking about this, really this is the exact same concept that's taught in Proverbs 15 and verse 22, where he says here, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Here, Solomon says that when we are trying to make plans, he says that those purposes or those plans are uh, disappointed or frustrated. He says, but if that person goes to a multitude of counselors, they are established. 
So I think he's talking here about in the physical sense. Like you're trying to make a decision and you really want to make a good decision here. He says you go to a multitude of counselors. You don't just, you don't just consult yourself, you consult other people. And as you consult other people about this decision you're going to make, this person tells you one thing, and then this person tells you another thing, and, and I'm talking about going to people who are godly people who are, who are uh, dedicated to God, but this person tells you one thing, this person tells you another thing. Maybe there's some similarities in what they say, and maybe this, this person has one little thing different, and this one has another. Maybe you go to a third, fourth, fifth person. And as you take all of that wisdom and you combine it, it just makes your decision a more round decision. It just makes it, fills it out. You know, sometimes whenever I'm, I'm thinking about doing something, it's like, uh, I, I don't know about that. And it's like, okay, let me go ask Chas. And she's like, uh, no, 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 bad idea. Let's just kill that right now. It's like, okay, that was a good idea that I talked to her about that. That, that idea is the exact same thing as what wisdom does within our mind. It's taking a multitude of counselors. In other words, it's taking a multitude of verses. You're taking a bunch of verses about a topic and let all of those verses work together to help you to make a decision. Don't just take one thing and just, just bore down into that and say, I'm, I'm just looking at this one thing, put blinders on about everything else that's going on. It's taking it all, taking it all, helping each piece of it influence it so they can make a better decision. Okay, here's another thing. I've talked about this before, and uh, this is something I uh, feel very firmly about. There's a, a debate between knowledge and wisdom. And whenever you talk about, well, what's better, knowledge or wisdom? And if, if I say that, I mean, people are going to be like, wisdom, 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 wisdom's better, wisdom's better. I just do not see it that way. I, what I mean in not seeing it that way is I do not see that they should be pitted against each other. They should not be pitted against each other because wisdom would not happen without you having knowledge in the first place. Wisdom would not happen without you having knowledge about certain facts in the first place. And so some people will say, well, you know, my granddad, he, you know, he never learned how to read and he was the most wise man I ever knew. And I wouldn't disagree with that one second. I mean, I, I would be with you right there on that. But maybe he didn't know how to read. But I guarantee you the reason he got to the place of being wise like he did is because people told him about facts. He learned facts as a young person and as he grew up and he just kept incorporating more facts into what he was thinking whenever he lived his life. He didn't, he didn't get to that point of wisdom apart from knowledge. And so we, we don't, don't need to, I, I, I feel like we should never take that, that mindset of, well, not, wisdom is better than knowledge. You wouldn't get to a point of wisdom without knowledge. So what I'm saying is don't say, well, I, I'm just going to live a good, well-rounded life. I'm going to live a good life serving God, but I don't really need to know all the facts of what the Bible says. You're not going to get there. You will not get there unless you do study the Bible and incorporate a whole bunch of the facts and knowledge that the Bible gives to you. Now, with that being said, there are... Um, there is good form of knowledge. There's bad form of knowledge. There's no doubt about that. So in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, he says, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that, uh, I'm sorry, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. 
So he says, touching these idols, he said, we know that knowledge puffs up. And this may even been knowledge that was good knowledge. But he's saying that knowledge can have that, um, that effect on people, is that it can have the effect on people um, to, to cause them to, to be lifted up, to be puffed up, to become arrogant, to become condescending to other people. And if we use knowledge for that, then I'm with you. That is wrong. That is where we should not be. And we see that all the time. I mean, you see people on the news and, and stuff like that. They have PhD this and PhD that, and it's just like a never-ending string, like they don't have enough characters to put all their, their degrees in the, the line that they have for them. They have a whole bunch of knowledge. They could tell you all, all kinds of stuff about calculus and physics and biology and all that kind of stuff, and they have a bunch of knowledge. But sometimes those people, and like what the Scripture says, they don't have no wisdom, and they're not using it, their knowledge in a way to, to benefit other people. So we can, use, um, we can use the knowledge we have acquired to beat people up. We shouldn't do that. Or we can use the knowledge we have acquired to bring light and happiness to the people we come into contact with. And that's, that is where we need to be. Okay, next is there is a correct type of wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1.26, he talks here about, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. So he says that there are many people here on this earth who are, who are wise, but he says they're wise after the flesh. And that is not good either. There are people who are very um, wise, you know, according to the world, but he says those people, they're not doing the will of God. They're not, they're not called. They're not the ones who are serving God in, in what he wants them to do. So worldly wisdom, wisdom does not profit us. It may seem as though we've gained a lot with worldly wisdom, but God is saying here that, that, uh, that he doesn't want that type of heart or mind. Okay, next thing I want to talk about real quick is false wisdom supposedly from the Bible. You know, this is a, a phrase you hear. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And people take that and, and like say that like it's some, some important bit of wisdom. And like it comes from the Bible. And it does not come from the Bible. This phrase does not come from the Bible. And I understand there's a whole bunch of stuff tied up into this, and we could, go into, um, we could go into a bunch of things about this particular phrase. I understand that. But this phrase is not in the Bible. And so we have to be careful that we don't take things that the world says as like good, you know, spiritual wisdom and, and start thinking that comes from the Bible. Living space being clean doesn't mean the same thing as living clean does not mean the same thing. This is another phrase you hear, God moves in mysterious ways. People just take that, is that something from the Bible? It's not. I mean, all those words are used in the Bible, but not in that order. I mean, they're used in different places. So we have to be careful that we don't take, um, that we don't take things that the world tells us as bits of wisdom and like try to force those into the Bible. We need to make sure that we just use the wisdom from the Bible. True wisdom also is not a contest. True wisdom doesn't seek out competition to test its levels of wisdom. The more wise a person is, the less willing that person is to seek out a fight or another person to battle its wits with. I think of this like a person who studies jujitsu or some other form of self-defense. You know, we all, we all have that, Mr. Miyagi or whatever in our mind. And um, The more they know, the less that they want to like attack. They want to use it for, for the good. And that's the same thing with true wisdom. It's not like, okay, 
I know, I could quote, I can quote half the New Testament, I can quote half the Old Testament. I know how I can tie a thousand verses here to a thousand verses there. Man, I could lead you on the string of how all these verses tie together. And it's like, come on, who wants to, who wants to challenge me? Come on. It's not like that. That's not the way true wisdom works. True wisdom makes you more and more humble. It makes you more, it, it makes you realize more and more of, of your place before God and your, your role before God and what you should be doing. Okay, so um, now I want to jump in here more to, to the Proverbs. As I said, I was going to branch out. I, I branched out to start off with. Um, as you study the wisdom from Proverbs, Proverbs describes wisdom with the pronoun of she, she or her. Solomon and the Holy Spirit see wisdom as a beautiful woman. In, in Proverbs 1, 20 through 21, it says this, Wisdom crieth out, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she uttereth her words, saying. So we see here, again, what I'm just wanting to see here is, he talks about wisdom crying out, and it says she. So he refers to wisdom as this woman throughout the Proverbs. And it says that she utters her voice in the streets. Okay, in Proverbs 3, 15 and 18, he says, She, again, this is talking about wisdom here. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. She is a tree of life to them that lay, a pole, uh, lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. He says that, that wisdom is more precious than rubies, and that nothing can be compared to her. She's that valuable. She's a tree of life to those who lay hold on her. Those who seek after her, happy is everyone who retains her. In Proverbs 4, 6 through 9, it says this, Forsake her, speaking of wisdom again here, Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. It says, do not turn away from her. Do not forsake her. And he says that she, wisdom, will preserve you. And in verse 7, he says that wisdom is the principal thing. Get it. Get it. Do everything you can to acquire as much wisdom as possible. That starts off by acquiring as much knowledge as possible continue that process. And it says in verse 8, if you do that, if you will put it as that important, it says that wisdom um, will, she will promote you. She will bring you to honor and she will bring an ornament of grace to you and a crown of glory. So wisdom is crying out. This beautiful woman is crying out. Now what I want to do here is I want to read these verses and then also in Proverbs, what Solomon does is he gives a, um, I, I don't know, uh, kind of shows the battle between this, wis this woman and another woman. But here in Proverbs 8 and verse 1, it says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in, at the doors. So, what he's doing here in all of this is he is personifying wisdom. He's making it like a woman, like he's taking an idea and making it as if it is a person. And so this woman, wisdom, it says that she's like in the high places. 
She's calling out. Her voice is calling out to those who would hear her. But here's the problem that he gets into. In Proverbs chapter 9, there's a different woman that's calling out. I believe this, trend, this one is from the ESV right here, but there's a woman whose name is Folly that's calling out. In Proverbs 9, 13 through 14, it says this, The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. So to me, whenever I think of this, I, I think of like what, what I picture in my mind, what I've seen in pictures like this of Old Testament stuff, where you had these cities that were made and just a pile of people in this one place, and they had these rooftops where people could be up on, on rooftops. Um, we see that happening throughout the Gospels and, and things like that. So you have the woman, wisdom, standing on the rooftop, and she's calling out for anybody who will listen to her, anybody who will take the things she's, she's saying and will use them and take them into her life. She's calling out, and it says that she will exalt you. She will promote you. She will give you an ornament of grace. Okay, on the other hand, you have this woman whose name is Folly, and she's crying out, but the problem with this woman is it says she's seductive. And she's calling out. She's calling to anybody who will listen to her. It does not say anywhere that she will promote you, in fact, or, or give you an ornament grace. In fact, she will do the exact opposite. If we listen to that woman, the woman folly, she will do the opposite of promoting you. She will demote you. She will put you in a place of shame. She will put you in a place that you do not want to be. She'll be, put you in a place where you don't want your family to, to see you to be at, where you don't want your kids to see you to be at. We need to listen to wisdom that's crying out. Listen to wisdom and turn away from the woman folly that's, that's crying for us in the same way. So how to become wise. The first thing, the most important thing, or one of the most important things is this, is the fear of the Lord. We read this a second ago in Proverbs 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now we talk about this. This is a, a huge problem that people who do not want to follow God face. Is They have this mindset, well, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. Life is hard for everybody, and man, I'm just trying to get through this. I don't need nobody else telling me how to live my life, and I'm just, I'm just going to live it the way that I want to live it. That's exactly what it says. Fools despise wisdom instruction. They don't want no guidance for their life. They just want to live it however they want to live it. They know they're going to make mistakes, but they're their mistakes and whatever. They just, want to, they just want to live their life the way they want to. But on the other hand, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the opposite of that, saying, don't, don't talk to me about nothing. I just want to live my life the way I want to. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So the fear of the Lord, there's a lot of things involved there. The fear of the Lord, I think, is could include um, just what, what we would normally think of that phrase if we feared, is knowing that there is, that there is a, a true God. That it's not, um, it's not like a president who sits on a throne, you know, a few thousand miles away from here. It's not some king that, that reigns over some far eastern country or whatever. There is actually a God, there is actually a being who who's not in Washington, D.C., who can't hear what's going on right now, and he's not listening through Zoom, he is actually here listening to what's being said. He's listening to what I'm saying. 
He's listening to the thoughts that are happening in your mind right now. There is actually a God that will require something of us, that will ask us one day, what did you do with what I gave to you? That's part of the beginning of knowledge is knowing that there is a God that's going to do that one day. The other part of fearing the Lord is knowing that the Lord is perfect and he knows everything. And he knows that the right way for me to walk and he knows the wrong way for me to walk. And for, for me, it's me respecting him and knowing that if I walk in this way, he told me this is the wrong way. And if I walk in that way, I am, I am going against him. I'm going against myself. Because if I go in the way that he says is the wrong way, guaranteed, guaranteed, my life is going to be more difficult. It's going to be more hard. But on the other hand, if, I, if God says, you need to go this way, this is the correct path. And I know he's perfect and holy and has my best interest absolutely at his heart and he has every person's best interest at his heart and I know if I walk on the path that he says is good I still live in this world and there's going to be difficulties but I am setting myself up for such a a a better outcome of the way things are going to happen in my life just like what I talked about of investing that money if I'm investing in God and investing in serving him and putting up and and getting that wisdom in my life I'm just making it better and better and better for myself In Psalms 11 and 110, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. That's another part of becoming wise. is not only acknowledging that God exists, that I will answer him one day, and not only acknowledging that I know this is the wrong way, this is the right way, but what he says in the second part of this, this verse, they that do his commandments. They that do his commandments. That's where the rubber meets the road is you can study a lot of the scriptures and you can know all about that, but it's whenever you actually start doing it. And that is, that's the beginning. That's the fear of the Lord that gets us to a place of becoming wise. Another thing is to realize that, that wisdom is a journey. It is not a destination. This is the same verse I read a little, a little bit ago. Proverbs 1 and 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So know that, that becoming wise in this world is a journey. It's not a destination. Now, there is a destination in the sense that Jesus is the perfect example of that. But I'm never going to arrive at that destination on this earth. I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get even close to our Lord. So what I need to realize is that journey is a destination. So it's not whenever I turn 25 years old and I've graduated high school, graduated college, about ready to get married. It's like, man, I, I think I got things figured out. Got, got the world by its tail. Okay, it's not then. It's not whenever you turn 45 and you nearly have all of your kids raised. It's like, okay, I've gone through a bunch of stuff now. I think I've got everything figured out. It's not that. It's not whenever you turn 65 and your grandkids are about grown up and about ready to start their family. And it's not you get to that point and realize and think, I've got this figured out. It's not whenever you get to 85 and you have great grandkids who are having their kids. You never get to a point. None of us ever get to a point where we can say, I have arrived. We need to realize that it's always a journey. Just like I said a second ago, this wise man, he still, he still is listening. He still is listening. Sometimes that is, that is difficult to do. Sometimes that is, is harder to say than to do. Because sometimes we, 
we, you know, evaluate a situation where we think, um, where, where, we, where we just think we know better and we just maybe become a little bit, um, a little bit prideful about that and maybe it just happens over years and years where we feel like, okay, I've just, I've gotten past all these people. Now there's only a few people that I can think of in my life that come even close to where I'm at. And uh, man, I just, I, just, I just don't think I have anything left to learn from any of these folks. And we should never get to that point. We should always know that all of us have blind spots and all of us need to continue to listen. And of course, I mean listening to the scriptures, but there's also other people who are studying scriptures who can give us um, bits of encouragement and bits of correction. We should never, never stop learning. Okay, some, some nuggets of, of wisdom here that I want to go through real quick. One, I love this one. He talks about winning souls here in Proverbs 11.30. Uh, somebody quoted this verse not long ago. It may have been Mike, but um, Proverbs 11.30, he says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. To me, this is such an interesting verse for, for this being used during the Old Testament. Um, because just kind of the way they, they viewed things. I mean, they viewed the, with, the, with the mindset of if you were from Abraham, you know, if you were literally had his blood, and if you were circumcised on the eighth day, basically you're good, man, you're in. Um, but he's, he says this phrase here. And, of course, this phrase is here not just because of Solomon's wisdom. It's there because of the Holy Spirit. But those who win souls are wise. You know, there, there, are, there are people in here who have brought many people to the kingdom of God. There are many people, there are people in here who have baptized a lot of people. There are people in here who have showed love so deeply to people that it just helped people to look to God and to, br to bring them to God. There's been all kinds of things that people do to win souls for God. And when we choose to do that, when we choose to use our talents in a way to win souls for God, he says that's wise. Because honestly, winning souls a lot of times is not um, an easy job, honestly. A lot of times the, the people who you're tr truly trying to win their soul, a lot of times are abrasive, they're resistant. Sometimes they, they intentionally do things to try to make it difficult for you to do your job. Um, and so sometimes it takes a, a true, deep form of wisdom to, to look past all of that, to mix a whole bunch of different ideas and for you to see past somebody being abrasive or, or whatever and for you to look past that and to continue to seek after that soul and for you to continue to try to win that person. What, what a wise person that engages in this. Another thing, uh, this is very obvious, but something that uh, I would like to say, how to be considered wise is children who listen to their parents. In Proverbs 13 and verse 1 says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. So, <clears throat> He says a wise son listens to his father. And, um, we, you know, a lot of times we see this just in, in the masculine, but he's talking, this could be the son or daughter listening to father or mother's instructions. And it says that a wise son does that. 
Now, I ask myself this question as I think about this verse. Does this only mean a person who is living under their father's roof? Literally, living under their roof still. And I don't think that this verse necessarily constrains it to being that. That this could be for, for a lifetime. A son listening to his father's instructions will be wise. Now, of course, the, the caveat is, is added to this, like what it is in the New Testament. You know, his father's instructions in the Lord. Now, if his father was instructing him to do evil, that wouldn't be wise. But whenever it's in the Lord, as the son hears that, he becomes wise. So I think this, this applies definitely to anybody, whether you still live with your parents or not. Whenever you, whenever you listen to what they have to teach you, that you're wise. So then I ask the question, well, does it only mean that? Does it just mean a person who's not living with their parents? And it definitely doesn't. It's not constrained to that either. This just as easily can apply to pers- a kid who lives under their, their mother and father's house, just as it does as a person who's grown and has their own family. So my point here is this, is that it just as easily could apply to very young people here. And it says that a wise son listens to their father's instructions. You know, you, you see it in the world today, it's like, oh, well, these kids are young, you know, they're just, cut them some slack, you know, they, they, they're just where they're at. And I, I'm just saying no, because kids can be held to a standard. And when we do start holding them to a standard earlier in life, they are going to get to a better place. And we, we need to realize that. And so this is encouragement for us, as me as a dad, to make sure that I am giving this instruction that will help my, my children to, to be wise. And it's also encouragement to my children that are listening to me right now to listen, to listen, as they do, and as, as, as all of our children do. Okay, another way to be considered wise is to keep our tongues in check. Proverbs 29 and verse 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Another way to be considered wise is to sometimes just to, just to be quiet. I mean, that's, that proverb speaks so clearly for itself. So I want to talk about a, a, a couple more things here, and I'm going to get into my concluding point. But a couple more things here. Fruit of wisdom. One fruit of wisdom is it allows us to avoid unnecessary risks. In Proverbs 14, verse 16, it says this, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. So this wise man, it says that he feareth. Or in other words, he, he looks at things that are going to happen in the future, and he sees something coming up, and he's like, Oh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. There's... There's some stuff that could happen from that. There's some danger that could happen to me. There's some danger that could happen to my kids. You know what? I'm going to nope out of this one and get out. Okay, that's what he says. He fears. He looks and he sees that stuff and he departs from it. But the fool rageth and is confident. The fool's like, ah, who cares? Who cares? Ah, you know, th- this may happen. I may die here. Whatever. I don't care. We're going in. Okay, just headlong into everything. But that's what, that's what wisdom does is it, it, it gives us the discretion and to be able to say, okay, I, don't, I just don't think this is safe for me. I don't think this is safe for my family. We're out on this situation. 
Okay, another one which is very closely related to that, but it helps us to foresee problems. In Proverbs 22 and verse 3, it says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. So it says that it helps us to foresee problems. You know, there's a, a saying that we say that we generally always say in regret. We say hindsight is 2020. Usually when we say that, we mean, oh, oh man, ooh, I wished, oh, I wished I'd have known. I would have, man, I would have just totally gone a different way. We say that in regret. But with wisdom, maybe, maybe we could change that. And I'm not saying perfectly, but maybe we could say foresight is 2020. And maybe, I'm not, and I'm not saying we can look in the future, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying with wisdom, it does give us some, some ahead of looking at things. Instead of just being like this simple person who doesn't consider that, just passes on, falls into every single pothole, falls into every single mistake that barely gets in their way. They, they could have easily whoop, brushed off and step, sidestep that thing. Nope, it seems like every time, step right into that pothole, every single chance they get. So hopefully we're, we're on the wise side of that, where we, can, where we can look, where we have this foresight of knowing what's coming and to be able to avoid it. Another thing is wisdom helps us to find joy in healthy things. In Proverbs 10, verse 23, it says, It is a sport to a fool to do mischief, but to a man of understanding hath wisdom. A fool enjoys mischief, enjoys doing things that, that are wrong. It's just like, and you, you see stories about that, hear stories about that all the time. Person, like, they, they do bad things just because it's like a sport to them. It's, it's a joy, it's fun for them. But the man of understanding does the exact opposite. He turns from mischief, and he looks to healthy things. And that's what wisdom can do for us, is to find joy in healthy things. So in, in the Proverbs, there's all kinds of stuff, and of course I barely scraped the surface here. But what I want to finish off with this morning is this, is the ultimate form of true wisdom is knowing Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate form of true wisdom, is to know Jesus Christ. In Luke 11 and verse 21, it says, The queen of the south will rise up in judgment um, with the men of this generation. Sorry, I'm going to turn over there. I just want to... Okay. Oh, I think that's 31, and I don't know why my brain did that. It is 31. Okay, so the queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. This is Jesus preaching, and he said that the queen of the south came to listen to Solomon because of how wise he was. Jesus, speaking here about himself, says, there is one here with you today who is wiser than Solomon. That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the smartest man ever on the face of the earth. Not only that, he was God on the earth. Now, there are not many authentic books that were written about Jesus. In fact, all of the books that can be trusted about Jesus are compiled right here in this book. These are the, the only books 
that we can study about Jesus that are real and that are true. In John 20, verse 30 through 31, it says, And truly did, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. All of the things that are written are written here so that you can know who Jesus is. And he says the things that are written. There's another place in the Bible that says that if, um, if all the things were written down that Jesus did, they wouldn't be able to contain in all the books of the earth. So the place you're going to find out about Jesus is right here in this book. And what I want to say is you need to learn everything you can possibly learn about Jesus from the Gospels, where you learn about his life specifically, from the New Testament and even the Old Testament. Learn as much as you can about Jesus. Search his life with a fine-tooth comb. Learn about every detail that is recorded for us about him in this book. You know, a person might say, well, I've read through the Gospels. You know, I read through them. I know everything about Jesus. Wrong. You, and I don't, I don't care what kind of what kind of qualifier you could put on that. I don't care if you said, well, I've read through the Gospels a thousand times. I know everything about Jesus. That statement is wrong. You will never know everything about Jesus. You've only taken the first step. The knowledge is not there. Nobody, nobody in here knows everything about Jesus. There's nobody in here, not D, not J, not Van, not... Not anybody, not me, nobody. Nobody knows everything about Jesus. We all have to continue to learn about him. The wisdom from applying, um, and the wisdom from applying this knowledge definitely hasn't been developed. In John 5, verse 39, Jesus was speaking to the Jews, and he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. He was talking to these people and said, y'all think y'all study the scriptures. Y'all read the scriptures. And he said, from your understanding of the scriptures, you think you have eternal life. But he said, what you don't realize is that the scriptures you're reading, they testify of me. And if you knew that, you would be looking for me and you would know that I'm eternal life standing right here before you. We need to study everything we can and know everything we can about Jesus and learn to implement his perfection into our life. And when we do that, we are, we are getting to the ultimate form of true wisdom. It will be a never-ending study of learning about, him, uh, learning about him, implementing it. Experiencing new things will help you see things that Jesus taught in a new light. Then with that new, deeper understanding of Jesus' teaching and then learning new ways to implementing it. It's a constant process of refining over and over and over again. We all understand that idea. You know, whenever... You, Whenever I was young, I, I thought people moved three times. We, we moved three times. We lived in Lubbock, we moved to Seth Ward, and then we moved to the house mom lives in now. I, thought, I just thought that, and I was a teenager before I realized that wasn't true. I thought, you just moved three times. That's the way it was. You know, we all do that as kids. And as we get older and older, we, we start realizing, oh, well, my, that was my experience, but that doesn't match up to this. And, you, and again, it's just like what I said at the beginning. Wisdom is taking all this stuff putting more and more stuff together. And right now, I, I, I know who Jesus is. I know that he is, he is standing there. He is 
I have accepted his righteousness as, as my own so that I can stand whole before God. But if, if, if God lets me live another five or ten years, in five or ten years, I hope I know more about Jesus in five or ten years than I do right now. And I hope that I know how to live a better life because of what I know more about Jesus in that time. It's a constant process. The cycle will never be uh, exhausted, regardless of how long you live. The process could go on for a thousand years if you live that long. The more you go through that process, the more wise you will become. So, again, the the, the beauty of wisdom in Proverbs, it's, it's something that we need to value. It's something that we need to put as, as a prize that we're all after. All of us. Um, this goes to, to the young. It goes to those who are old. It goes to all of us to look to that and to, to put it above everything. Like you said, it's the principal thing. It's something we all need to put to, to use in our life. If you're here this morning and you, you don't know Jesus at all. You haven't obeyed him. And you, you know that you need to obey him. You believe that he is the son of God. You are ready to confess him as the son of God before this audience. You're ready to turn away from your old lifestyle and turn and say to God, I I don't know everything that you've taught me, but I'm going to study your word and what your word says, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. If you're ready to do all of that and you're ready to be baptized this morning so that you can uh, become a part of God's family and to, to know Jesus in the first place by accepting him and his death and his righteousness, if you're ready to do that this morning, we would love to help you in that. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with something of the world or um, you need the prayers from, from the collective saints here to help you in something that's going on in your life. If anybody needs help with anything, please come sit on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation.